0: Well, good morning. morning. This is going to be a a special kind of service we've already mentioned, and a special kind of uh, sermon to go along with it. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mikey and I both grew up in the 80s watching pro wrestling. And in wrestling, there's a thing called tag team wrestling, and it was awesome back then. And they had some of the greatest tag teams. You had the Legion of Doom, you had Demolition and the Hart Foundation, And all these tag teams, they typically had kind of scary names, so we're about to do maybe something we haven't done very often, and we're going to have a tag team sermon. Now it's up to you all to determine what our tag team name is after the service. Hopefully it's nothing too scary, but we're going to try to take uh, some questions that have been asked about why we do communion the way that we do, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to open up God's Word and grow together as uh, as we explore it. Would you please bow with me? I'm going to say a prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that we can come and we can study your word together. God, it's just so awesome that you've given us this gift, this gift of communion to focus on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you would speak through your word, that you would uh, allow us to come into your presence and to realize the, the why behind what we do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I've been given the first question. Who established communion? You might say, well, that's a pretty simple answer. He should be done in two seconds, right? You know, Jesus, he established communion. Okay, I'll see you. No, there's a little more to it than that. So before we get into really the establishment of communion, we have to talk about a couple of things that are uh, true about God's nature and about human nature. The thing about God's nature that's true is that God does amazing things and makes amazing promises to his people. The thing that's about human nature that's true, we forget those things that he does for us and those promises that he makes for us. So throughout the Bible, God establishes something called a covenant. Now a covenant is a promise or an agreement that God makes between him and us. And God gives us signs of those covenants to help us remember what he's done. A couple of examples. In the Old Testament, you have Noah and the flood. God makes a promise after the flood is over that he will never again destroy the earth with water one more time like he did with the flood. And the sign of that covenant, does anybody know? Rainbow. Rainbow. You guys are good. So, And then he made this covenant later on with Abraham that he would be uh, the father of many nations and that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him, that he would have a, a descendant that would bless the entire world. And he made that sign of the covenant circumcision. We don't want to shout that as much as we do the rainbow. But God gave him something to remember. So when it comes to communion, we actually have to go back to the Passover in the book of Exodus. Now what was the Passover? The Passover occurred 3,000 years ago, more than 3,000 years ago, when the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. They cry out for a deliverer, and God raises up Moses to free them from captivity. He then sends ten plagues to Egypt, and the last plague is the worst one. It's the death of the firstborn son. So in order for the people of Israel to be saved from death, what they had to do is they had to take a spotless lamb and kill it. Then they had to take the blood of that lamb and spread it over their doorposts. Afterwards, they would then roast the body of the lamb, and they would prepare a meal and eat it together. But this meal had to be done quickly because they didn't know at what time they were going to be set free. So they had to be ready. They had to have their, their coats on, their sandals on. They had to have their staff ready. They had to be ready to go. And because they had to do it so quickly, the bread that they baked with the meal did not have yeast in it. They didn't have time to let the yeast rise, so they made unleavened bread. And that yeast then went on to symbolize sin. So the bread, the unleavened bread, represents a sinless life or a holy life. Now, at midnight, all the firstborn sons of Egypt were killed by this angel, except for the houses of Israel where it would pass over because of the blood on the doorposts. Pharaoh then summoned Moses and the people of Israel, and he let the people go. Moses led the Israelite people into the wilderness, where they then received God's law, and this covenant, this first covenant, that God makes with the people at Mount Sinai. So therefore, Passover is when God freed the people from captivity, and when he establishes his covenant With the nation of Israel. And all of that points us ahead to communion. This was the first covenant that God made with the people. It becomes known as the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant was not enough to actually save people from their sins. So every year, though, in the spring, the Jewish people would celebrate Passover to remember all that God had done for them and set them free. Some things that the first covenant identifies. It identifies that God is holy. It also identifies that people are sinful. It also tells us that we are unable to pay the price for our own sins. We need a sacrifice. And we need to be forgiven. And that we are totally dependent on God to do those things. What's really interesting about the old covenant though. Is that it set people free from physical captivity and bondage it had no power to actually set them free from spiritual captivity and bondage. The Old Covenant showed us our need, but could never set us free from our sins. We needed a new covenant, and we needed someone who could be that perfect sacrifice. The book of Hebrews is a great book where it talks about how the Old Covenant, the Old Testament and everything, how it blends in and points us to the New. And in Hebrews chapter 10... It tells us in verse one, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, but not the good things themselves. It goes on to then say that these sacrifices were never meant to take away sin because the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do that. It didn't have power to take people's sins away. It had to be an equal sacrifice. So God sent Jesus into the world that these sacrifices, this old covenant, only reminded people year after year of their sins. So Jesus comes into the world, and he says, You did not want these animal sacrifices, or sin or burnt offerings, or other offerings for sins, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. But then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. So then he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second covenant into place. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice and the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. So Jesus was the only one who could set us free from our sin. And we know that because of what God did at Passover, but it points to our need for a new covenant. So on the night before Jesus was to sacrifice his life for our sins, he celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples. He takes the elements of the meal and their deep symbolism and establishes a new covenant with them that he was about to fulfill on the cross. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28 says, Now they were eating. Jesus took the bread, broke it and gave thanks and gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. It is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, with communion, Jesus establishes an amazing promise that he was about to do an amazing thing in our world save people from their sins. Who established communion? Well, Jesus did. But he had a lot of background to set it up.
1: Thanks, Scott. So then, why do we take communion? Maybe that is just as simple as, you know, who's who established? Well, Jesus did. I think this is an important question, though, one that we don't want to take for granted. Why? Why every week do we pass the emblems? This, this bread. This, this cup. Why do we feel it important to partake of this, this Lord's Supper? I think it's because this is what Jesus asked us to do. 1 Corinthians 11:24 through 25. It says, he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is giving, given to, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he goes on to say, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Now this same Passover meal. This is when they were meeting that last supper. That Passover meal. Celebrating that so many years ago. When they left Egypt. The most important night of the Jewish year. The most important meal. We always compare that Passover meal to, to, to our Thanksgiving. But there's way more to it. There's way more to it. Deep-rooted history, like Scott just explained. Yet Jesus now takes his time with his followers, these men that had been following him for three-plus years at this point, and says, this is the last time that I'm going to have this cup here on earth. This is it. He took it he broke it. He said, in remembrance of me. He took it and he passed that cup and he said, do this in remembrance of me. In verse 26, it goes on to say, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Well, it's really quite simple then, isn't it? Why do we take communion? To remember Jesus. Remember what he did for you. Remember what he does for us. To remember his life that he lived, the message that he taught, the love that he shared. To remember the sacrifice that he gave to us. The fact that he died on that cross. See, That was the, that was the start of that sacrifice. I believe that that sacrifice, that atonement, if you will, ended when Christ presented himself to God in heaven. We've talked about that in great detail on Wednesday nights. But we remember not just the sacrifice, but also the fact that on three days later, Christ rose again. We remember and we announce his death. We announce his de- No, when we announce his death, what does that even mean to us? That's us remembering why he died. Why he had to die. And why his death made it possible for us. Why take communion? To remember Jesus.
0: So, when do we take communion? Probably the question that's asked more than any is why do you all take communion every week? I mean, doesn't it get routine when you do it that way? Well, I understand the heart of this question. Because at its root, you're saying is, we don't want this to become just an ordinary thing. We don't want to take the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. We want to have it with the same reverence and respect that we would any other time. Because this is even the most important thing that's ever happened. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So we don't want to treat it with a flippant attitude or make it seem meaningless. This is why different churches have different ways they celebrate communion. Some only do it once a quarter. Maybe even just once a year, like the Passover was celebrated once a year. Others do it on special days or in special services. We do it every Sunday. And here's the thing. This is what I mentioned at the beginning of our service. This is one of those areas where there's liberty. We have freedom in different churches to practice it different ways. As long as we are recognizing the body and blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. There is no, thus saith the Lord, as to how often we do it. There's not a direct command as to how often we do it. But there is an example. The only command that we have in Scripture is, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, as I mentioned, the Christian church, one of our goals is to follow the New Testament pattern as closely as we can. We're part of what's called the restoration movement. We want to restore the way the New Testament church operated. And so from the example of the New Testament, we see two things. Number one, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and a prayer. So every time they gathered together, they devoted themselves to those things, the apostles' teaching, that's God's word, fellowship with one another, breaking bread and prayer. And then we skip a few chapters ahead in Acts chapter 20. Paul says, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread. And it goes on to say how Paul preached the word. So we have the example from scripture that every time they gathered together, breaking bread, celebrating the Lord's Supper was a part of it. And we have the specific example that on the first day of the week they gathered together to break bread. Why do we take it on the first day of the week? We've got that example from the New Testament. We've also got the example that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on a Sunday, on the first day of the week. So we worship on a Sunday to honor that. Now let me ask you, how often do you need to be reminded of something? If you're like me, all the time. I use the Remind app on my phone constantly. If I make an appointment, I put it right there on my calendar and I set two reminders for myself, one a day ahead and one an hour ahead of the event that I'm supposed to remember. And for me, that's usually pretty good if I get those two reminders. But let me ask you this, when do you need to remember what Jesus did for you on the cross? When do you need to remember that you are forgiven? When do you need to remember that his resurrection gives you hope? When do you need to remember that you are loved by God? For me, it's every day. Every day I need to remember that. Because I think about how sinful I am, how messed up I am. I think there's no way God could possibly love me. But yet, when I remember the cross, I know that he does. And so we gather together as the church to worship every Sunday. And that's why we celebrate communion every Sunday. It was the day of worship in the New Testament, and we have the example to follow in the book of Acts. That's why we do it. Now as for the question, how do you keep it from becoming routine? Well, that's really up to the individual. See, it's our responsibility to not let it just become some meaningless task that we do every week. First Peter 3.15 tells us that we should... In our hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's why it's our responsibility to have the correct focus and to have our hearts ready.
1: So then finally we come to how. How are we to partake or take of communion? And there, maybe you're thinking, well, you just put it in your mouth, you chew it up, a swallow you take a drink. Well, yes, but way more than that. How are we to spiritually take communion? Where should we be mentally when we come to this time to meet around the, the Lord's table? And if you think about a, a normal week here at Hartford for a Christian, uh, after our offering, we'll have uh, a communion song. Like we did today. And then one of the men will come and give a, a communion meditation. or oftentimes we're, we read some of these same verses that we've just read. We talk about remembering Jesus. And they come and they, they pass the emblems. But see, a lot of this now is on you. Where, where should you be? Well, right here, of course. But where should you be when that time comes? to take that piece of bread, to take the, the little cup. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we see, if we look at, at the entire uh, letter there, an entire section, we see that the Corinthian church was, was taking communion all wrong. They were using it as a, a, a big party, a time to drink too much and eat too much. And Paul is addressing it here in, in 1 Corinthians 11 he's addressing the issue was it wasn't about eating to satisfy your physical needs or drinking to satisfy your thirst it was about eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ the emblems that represent and why we do it 1 Corinthians 11:27 through 29 27 to 28. Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So how are we supposed to partake? In a worthy manner. But what does that mean? What does that mean? In a worthy manner? Well, I think it comes back down to the other things that we've just answered, that we've just talked about. Are you doing this to remember Christ? Are you doing this because this is his body that he broke for you? Are you doing this because this is his blood that he poured out for you and for me and for, for anyone that would accept him for forgiveness of sins? Are you doing this to remember Jesus? Certainly with the, the small cracker that we have and the small cup, you, you aren't doing it to uh, fulfill a physical need. Certainly that wouldn't be the case. But has it just become Routine? Because that's, that's the danger of having communion every Sunday. If it just becomes a routine for you, this is what we do, and now it's over. We can't allow that to happen. We always must take this time very seriously, which is why so many times you've heard our leaders up here say, this is the center of our worship service. Right here. Now, all of our worship is important, whether, it, whether it's offering or praising or even listening to the message. But it's this time of remembrance that I believe, in my opinion, is the center of what we do on a weekly basis. Verse 28 goes on to say, This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Examine yourself. That doesn't mean you make sure that you're dressed properly, right? How how can you examine yourself in order to partake of this communion in a worthy manner? Now, I think that for me, this is a time when I often reflect on my own life. But I can tell you this much. When I do that, I never find myself worthy. Never. Never. And if I was to say, I am only going to take communion if I can reflect on my life right now and think about the last week and think, yeah, I've done pretty good this week. Boy, I'd be wrong there, wouldn't I? If I was to ever say, I'm not going to take communion because I, I have sin in my life, or I've had sin in my life this week. Folks, I'd never take communion. I never would. And, and if you did, you'd be lying to yourself. But instead, I must take this time, as I reflect on the fact that I have failed, that I have fallen short, to remember what it represents. This is my blood poured out for you, for me, for the forgiveness of our sins. To remember Jesus. Why did he have to die? Because I fail. Lord, please forgive me of that. Examine yourself. This is the time when you can think, man, I've really got to get back on that path of righteousness. Try harder to stay on there. But most importantly, right now, I'm going to examine myself to make sure that I am remembering Jesus. And what he did for me. I'm examining myself to make sure that I am taking this in a worthy manner. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus didn't say, do this and remember yourself. He said, do this and remember me. I'm going to ask the servers to go ahead and uh, head to the back to get prepared to serve us communion today. But I want you guys that are going back there, I want you to stay focused right now too. I want you guys to to be remembering what it is that you are doing to serve. The importance of this time as you prepare. And for us that are going to sit and wait for these guys here in a second. I think it's important now as we examine ourselves as we make sure that we are taking this in a worthy manner, that we remember, that we honor, and that we worship Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. The center of our worship service, to honor Jesus, to remember the sacrifice. We're going to sing now a song, In Remembrance of Me. If you want to get a hymnal out to sing along, it'll be on page 365, and if not, the words will be on the screen above. I want you guys to think of the words here as we sing this song in preparation before the men come.